Okay. We are ready to go. So I want to welcome everybody that's here in person, everybody joining us online via live stream. Um, I apologize before I start talking. My voice is going hoarse. I have no idea why. It started happening last night uh, when I was doing Monday night service. I started, I, I, I was like, I had no idea why I couldn't talk. It happened just like that. So, <laughs> you is it really that bad? Man, I've heard it from Julie, and I've heard it three times this morning, so I'll take it seriously. Um, yes, sir. No, no, I believe you. Yeah. And, and what? what's causing it? Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we ask you to give us wisdom during this time studying your word um, to understand that we cannot get into your kingdom by what we do. We cannot put any stock in our own merit. And that is what Paul was trying to explain to the Galatians. That's why he argued with his brother in Christ, Peter. So we just want you to give us the peace of knowing that we can't do it and that you've done all the work. And when we know that you've done all the work, that makes our lives easier. It gives us hope. We ask you to be with those that are ill, recovering from surgery, uh, those that are depressed, anxious, addicted, uh, lonely. There's a lot of lonely people out there. It, it almost shocks me sometimes how many people out there just have no one. And um, you know, may we be able to reach out to them when we know who they are. And uh, so... Uh, be with us as we study your word, as we look at these this very small piece of scripture and try and tear it apart and see what it is that we are trying to find out about Gentile sinners. Okay. So, 2.15-21. I'll read this. We who are Jews by birth are not Gentile sinners. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. 
For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And I think people can't get a handle on that. You know, when the, one of the lies that we talked about in, in our sermon series, it was a few weeks back, is that i got to be perfect. I have got to do it right. And I think that's speaking in the context of being a Christian. I've got to live a good life. I've got to live by the commandments. We know we're saved by faith. We know we're saved by forgiveness. But yet, there's something in the back of our heads and in our hearts that tells us, you know what? I'm not doing good enough. And I think, you know, when we start putting stock in ourselves, we take away from what Jesus did on the cross. He did all the work, not some of it. He didn't do a little bit, and we've got to take it the rest of the way. That's why I am so against, God forgive me if anyone in here is uh, Roman Catholic and I am so against penance. You know, it's um, I've, a lot of Catholics come up to me that are members here now or they're married to members here. And they're like, you know what? It, after It was after a, um, a Reformation sermon that I gave. And he was like, he said, you know what? That just sounds like cheap grace to me. You know, I, I did this awful thing. I come to you and ask for forgiveness and I'm forgiven. And I don't have to do a thing. It sounds like cheap grace. That's the mercy of Christ. That's the mercy of God. That's how powerful it is. You know, he, all you've got to do is ask, and you will have it. And we, we can't fathom that, you know, because there are things that we can't let go of. We can't forgive, and we put levels to sin. But Jesus forgives anyone who asks him completely. You don't have to go out and make the absolution valid. You know, I, well, you know, I need you to go out and make an act of contrition. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just saying that once you repent, that's it. You walk out clean, unburdened. That sin is gone. God remembers that sin no more. And it sounds easy because it is. And that, that, when we share good news with people, that should, we should go there, you know. It's easy. Jesus says, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to bring you to know that you need me. As long as you know that, as long as you live in that, you're, do, you're doing what I came to teach you. Okay, so some of the key takeaways from these verses. Um, I'm guessing, I, I don't know if you had Aaron last week, did he go into the debate the debate that Paul and Peter were going through? What And 
Um, so when Peter and when Paul was opposing Peter, what was Peter saying? What was he saying that Paul needed to rebuke his brother in public? Because he didn't do it just for the sake of, you know, showing him up and telling him he was wrong in front of a bunch of people because that wouldn't have served any purpose. But when someone is preaching something that isn't right and it isn't gospel, you have to say something. And the Galatians are already confused, right? Okay, key takeaways here. Never allow grace to be an excuse to sin, and I put boldly, okay? So you can't use grace as a blank check to go out and do whatever you want. Well, I'm forgiven, so whatever I do, you know, is forgiven. So I can live and do whatever I want to do because I don't live by the law. I don't have to keep it perfectly. So I, God's law doesn't really have a place in my life. And you got to be real careful, and we'll get into that later, about faith and works. I, I did put that can of worms in, in the, here in this study, so, you know, why not open it up a little bit? But, um, so, we need to know, like the Galatians needed to know from Paul, don't put your faith in these rituals, in circumcision, yeah, it was a covenant he made with Abraham. You are Jewish people, and this is your customs. It's okay to do it. It's not wrong, but when you put saving faith or any kind of salvation or merit with God in doing these things, then you're, you're not getting the message that he wants you to get. That's not the gospel. Um, but, you know, when you're raised, like Peter, he probably was arguing because when he's raised, uh, you know, as a Jew, it's hard to let go of tradition. I mean, look at what we do in church. Um, things that we hold on to, certain service structures that we like. Um, you know, some of us, like contemporary, some of us like traditional, and we don't want to let it go. And that's okay. That's a preference. Um, I'm not saying that circumcision and these things that they were doing were preferences, but it was okay to do them, but there was no God. They weren't winning any favor with God. Gentiles did not have to become Jews and do this to be saved. And any Jew... I hate to say the word Jew, and I'll tell you why, because it makes me feel like um, it feels like something a Nazi would say. I know that sounds weird, but um, but the, yeah, the Jewish people they they lived 
growing up being taught those things. So it's okay for them to do them. But Paul's just saying, don't put your faith in that. And we are justified by grace alone, free from sin, freed from sin. That does not mean we live to embrace it. We do not. We've been freed from it. So we don't live to chase it anymore. It's not what we get out of bed to live for. We try and try and try to, I don't want to say not to be a sinner, but we try to do what God says is good. We try to use his commandments as a guide for our lives. Um, now, we're going to get into the uses of the law and a lot of people, Dennis, is that the third use, the guide? Okay. There are some Lutherans that don't like that. You knew that, right? And we're going to talk about later on in the study about a really, um, a word that Lutherans seem to shy away from. And Dennis knows what it is. Yep. Do you see it in there? Yeah. I'm trying to find the beginning where Paul says, you Galatians, who, who has bewitched you, because oh, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit that you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it was really for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? That's uh, Galatians 3. Uh, I went through uh, 1 through 5. That's the whole reason that he's ad addressing this problem. It's the reason he argued with, <clears throat> with Peter. Excuse me. So, okay, so takeaways. Jesus set us free from the law's penalty by taking it on himself and defeating it. If righteousness is attainable through keeping the law of Moses, then God's gracious act of sending Christ to die on the cross was unnecessary and useless. 
and dare we say that. Now, are the does it say in here that the Galatians actually put saving that they thought that they were winning merit with God over doing this? That's one of the drawbacks of not teaching this study, except like once every five weeks. So, okay, so in verse 15, to verse 15, um, you who are Jews by birth are not Gentile sinners. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So, um, do you think it's interesting here that he calls Gentiles sinners, as if the Jewish people are not. I mean, if they believe, why would he call them sinners, but not the Jewish people? Here's what I found. Paul's argument was addressed to those who were Jews by birth, including Peter and, him, and himself, who in spite of their superior advantages were saved by faith when they bind the law on Gentile sinners, said in irony, who likewise were saved by faith in Christ. Quite often the Jews could not mention Gentiles without calling them Gentile sinners. Yet in Paul's eyes, the sinners were the Judaizers, not the Gentile Christian believers in his church. So, a Gentile sinner is a lot is justified before Jesus, before a Jewish person who doesn't believe in Christ. Um, and I got here. Let's see. A faithless Jewish man or woman who rejects Jesus and needs the Holy Spirit's work on their heart for salvation. They are not saved simply by being born a Jewish person. What do I mean by that? Um, Matthew 3, 9. Jesus himself explains this. And he's going back and forth with the Pharisees here. And so they say to Jesus, And do you not think we can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, Anybody that rejects Jesus, the one whom, God's, whom God sent, 
is rejecting God. And it doesn't matter how, many, how, how they can draw their lineage back to Abraham. Because being a son of Abraham who does not believe in Jesus, the one whom God sent, doesn't have anything. Doesn't mean a thing. And the Pharisees didn't like hearing that. You know, I mean, you're telling the, you know, religious experts of the day who thought they were, I don't know what they thought. Did they think they were holier? Did they think they were in better favor with God? Um, did they think that everybody else depended on them for, I don't, I don't know, for, I, did they, who read the law in the temple? Because obviously it wasn't in written form for enough for everybody to have. So it wasn't written, read in a scroll in there. So the only teaching people got was probably from the Pharisees until Jesus came along. And then, so these guys think they're smart. They think they're, uh, they're very pious. They think that they're in better, that they're, how do I say this, in a better standing with God than the other person. Because think about Jesus's, uh, that parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Oh, thank God I'm not like that little wife over there. Oh, thank God you made me so wonderful where I didn't need, I don't need to uh, repent or be forgiven like this, this sinner right here. I mean, you made me so wonderful. I don't need, you know, I, I don't even know if they ever prayed for forgiveness. Does that sound like something a Pharisee would do? Because they put all their stock in like what the Galatians are doing in circumcision, in the law, because every time they tried to trap Jesus, it was about trying to find something, some kind of law that he had broken. And it was really pathetic, you know, and and God told him, if you believed in my father, you would believe in the one whom he sent, meaning him. But you don't believe, and your father is not God. You know what he said. Your father is the devil, which had to be hard for them to hear. Yeah, and to say here, you know, lineage or my family connection, I, I'm a son of Abraham. I can trace, you know, I'm an Israelite, and I can trace my, my lineage back to Abraham, so I'm good with God. And Jesus is telling me, without faith in me, you got nothing. And that's what Paul's telling them. Without faith in what Jesus did, you have nothing. Your rituals, your circumcision... The things that you, the laws that you teach are good, but without believing in me, or I'm sorry, Paul's talking about Jesus, without believing in Christ, doesn't mean a thing. That stuff is worthless.
So, so I've got here, Paul did have to correct his brother Peter um, in, in Christ. Uh, so he had to do that because, um, you know, it's hard to, as a pastor or as somebody who, um, how do I say this without trying to sound like I'm somebody super theologically smart? Um, sometimes you have to let someone know that they're saying something that's incorrect because you don't want them to mislead people. And that's why Paul's doing it. He's not doing it to sound superior. He's not doing it to sound, to put Peter down. He was doing it because the Galatians are already confused. And Peter was just making it worse. So he had to, you know, Paul never minced words. And... (laughs) I get the feeling he was a very complicated dude. (laughs) Okay, so Jesus needs them to know any effort to justify yourself before God on your own merit is fruitless. It is. And that is a very simple message. But if you remember um, when Peter had the, the dream, when he was asked to go and into the home and eat with Gentiles, because um, I think a family had said, I believe, what was that in Acts? They wanted, they wanted him to come, and I think an angel told Peter, you need to go to this house because they believe in Jesus and they want you to be there. And Peter hesitated because Jews didn't eat with Gentiles. That that upbringing, that tradition had been inbred in him so much, he knew the truth by, you know, he knew Jesus, he knew that it was about faith and belief, but yet it's hard to shake things that we that we had pounded into our heads for years, you know. Okay, so we've got... I was losing my mind because I had turned to Matthew for that verse, and I was looking for my verse in Matthew. Okay. So... Christ, by being justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, we have 
because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Now, does that set us free? Does that give us free reign to do whatever we want? And that's what I'm going to get into, what faith, what are the, what are the fruits of faith? You know, what does it look like when someone who loves God and believes that Jesus saved them? What's that look like? How do they live? And then 17, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are, are sinners. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. So, law and gospel, why do we need both? I'll tell you a good story. I didn't... I didn't find it complimentary, but um, I'd given a sermon while I was on Vicarage, and uh, one of the members came up, and he liked the sermon. I guess he liked what I said, but he said, man, I thought they taught you guys to do law and gospel, and it was like 90% law and 10% gospel. He really did good, and I thought, that was not a compliment. Uh, yeah. Um so why do we need to hear law and gospel? If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died, to, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So does the law have a place in our lives? Why do I need to preach? Why should we preach law and gospel? What's the law do for you besides guide you? Okay. That is that is what I was looking for, Ken. You, the law lets you know that you are in a hopeless condition and you need a savior. You cannot keep the law. You, 
cannot do what's right. You cannot please God. You can't do anything right. You need Jesus. You need a Savior. Following rules and regulations is not going to get it done, and we can't do it anyway. And that is why we need a law to convict. Hey, you know, I, I am very soft on the law. I probably too much so um, because I don't like people to feel if I have to take a chance, I want to err on the side of the gospel. I don't want anyone to feel burdened or condemned or like they have no hope or forgiveness when they leave church. So sometimes I don't pound the law. You know, if you ever heard my sermons, I don't stand there and say, you know, you need to do this. You need to live like this. You need to make your faith look like something. You can't be going down a wrong path. You, you've got my call and my ordination to rebuke is something that I'm still struggling with. You know, I, I don't. And it needs to be done in a in certain situations. But Arlo, did you? You mean all the all the extra laws they made up, right? No, Leviticus. It was an the pig, the split hoof was an unclean animal, but Jesus declared all animals clean, so that doesn't apply now, but. Um, And I, I did a study on, on Leviticus. It was, it was a few years ago, and I think it was still when we were doing this study at CMC, which I know everybody loved. Um, um, but I think the mistake that people make thinking about Leviticus, even the people that follow the laws, I can't say for sure what they thought, but because... Just because God gave them instructions on how to make atonement for their sin doesn't mean they can take credit for doing it, right? It, it would be like Noah saying, well, I built this ark, so I saved myself. You know, God told him, you need to do this. He gave him the instructions. He told him how to build it and what, how long it was going to take and what he needed to take with him. 
God, that was grace from God giving them what they needed, even when they had to, you know, um, cut, I don't know, they had to cut birds a certain way. They do all kinds of crazy things in Leviticus. I say they're crazy, but um, if you read it, you're like, wow, you know. But that's God's gift to them. I, you are a, you've sinned against me, and you need a day of atonement. You need to be right with me, and I'm going to tell you how you can do that. Because without me, just because you do what I tell you to do to atone for sin doesn't make you responsible. You know, you can't take the credit for it. Just like Noah couldn't take credit for building the ark. Yeah. Okay. I, I talked to Pastor Dan and I said, have you counseled any of the transgender kids? And he said, no, but he has met with a lot of their parents. And the thing that he's amazed is how many of the parents go along with it. And, and why are people in the church going on? And lastly, because I listened to Yeah, no, it's not a bad thing, Marge. It's a gift from God. It's just in the, Gal in the Galatians were not, were putting too much stock. I, I don't know if it was in the Ten Commandments, but in these rituals and in, you know, I they were putting merit in their own actions. And Paul's like, you got to get away from that. You know, you are saved by what Jesus did, not by what, not by your efforts to, you know, do whatever rituals that, you know, that you've been taught to do all your life. But, Marge, I will give you that we, we can't just give people a blank slate. Well, you know, Jesus forgives and there's, there's grace, so you can live any way you want. And 
that gets tricky. How do we talk to people in love and tell them the truth? We, we want to be kind, but we don't want to compromise the gospel. And that that's a very fine line. Yeah, Becky? Who say they're Christians, right? Yeah, so... Yeah, and it's going to be hard for us, you know, um, to tell people what they don't want to hear. And as much love as we say it with, people are still going to hear that it's not right. Well, I... Yeah, we want to start at the place where we're all sinners in needs of God and need of God's grace. But they don't hear that. They hear you're pointing a finger at me saying that I, you know, I can't choose uh, whatever, how many, how many genders are there? I mean, and Marge, when I was talking about how um, I'm very not stern enough about the law sometimes with that that is my pet peeve um we julie and i she went to high school with she's a little younger than me with a girl um the lutheran high school and i'm not on facebook but she saw that they were encouraging the, their little boy to wear a dress to school because he uh you know, I don't know if he wanted to be a girl or if he would. I don't know. And I thought, how, how, how can you do that? And that made me angry. I almost thought it borderlined on abuse. But And, yeah, I... I have a hard time uh, with the transgender thing because it's just so, they say we're not tolerant, but they hate our guts, you know? I mean, yeah, we, we need to stand firm with that because not every Yes. Yep. Yeah, starting there is a good place to start, you know. But, you know, I've only had conversations with people, not with that Marge. No one's come to me with that. But I've had a couple kids in confirmation. Uh, it doesn't matter who asked me. Um, is, is it a sin to be born gay? And 
gay, gay, homosexual. And I, I was very careful when I answered. I felt flattered that he was comfortable enough to ask me. Um, and I said, well, I, I said, in the Bible, you know, God said that a man should be with a woman and a woman with a man. And, um, but that's not something that can't be forgiven, you know. I, I, I think I'm babbling about exactly what I said. I, I think I articulated it okay because he seemed comfortable with what I said. I don't know if he got any comfort from it, but I, when I first got here, I remember having a young, a young woman when I was doing, I did a sermon, I was using um, an illustration from a guy, he, he's the Lutheran Hour speaker, Ziegler, awesome guy. Yeah, I, well, I worked with him at, at his church when he was at Epiphany before he went to the Lutheran Hour in St. Louis. And the schools in St. Louis are so bad, they actually partner with the churches. You can't go in and pray or evangelize, but you can be present, you know. And we'd go in there, and they were like, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike, to him. And it was cool to have that connection. Anyway, with the things we were doing in the school, um, one of the kids' parents emailed him, and they were getting, uh, a, a lesbian couple, and they were like, does the church accept lesbians or gays? And he wanted to meet with her because you know how things get messed up in, in electronic communication. And, but she wouldn't. And he said, and he started, I wish I had it because it was the best written, uh, response to a question like that I've ever seen. It was so loving, but yet it was biblically sound. And it was just, yeah, Marge? Well, I think they, they think that And that is, that is true. That is important that we don't say it's okay because we can't. You know, even if it's people we love, we might want to, we might feel um, like we want to say, you know, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad. But God clearly says. Yeah, and they. We have other churches saying that say they believe in Jesus, saying that this is okay. And I don't, you know, I don't know where they get that. All I could make out was that, um, at least with the Elka, that they say, well, Jesus came and preached to a certain culture at a certain place and time, and the culture has changed. But, you know, right and wrong, and God's, what God says is right and wrong doesn't change and um 
But anyway, she this woman didn't like what she heard, and she she didn't ever respond or come back. So he said, "Yes, you can come and worship with us." It was so beautifully written, and and she just wanted him to say, "It's okay." You know, I, I made I made a boo boo when I was in. I think it was preaching class, and I said something about. It. I said. Well, Jesus accepts us for who we are. He accepts our sin and loves us anyway. And I was, he, the professor nailed me. He's like, Adam, Jesus does not accept sin. He forgives sin. And at the time I thought, okay, are you splitting hairs? But no, it was needed to be said. He doesn't just say it, it's okay to live any way you want. And it, what you said, Marge, without remorse. That is no good. That's the difference between us, you know, and people that go out there and think, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I, you know, I'd like to know. I don't even know if we could get research to show it. Um, how many transgender population believe in God or are Christians or go to church? Do you think there's a lot of them or... I, I don't either. I don't know. And I'm not real, I'm not a big uh, believer in stats, but um, I, I think I never thought I would see something so out of hand. I mean, to, to call someone who is one person, a plural. I mean, what, what, do you have a mouse in your pocket? I mean, I know that sounds, that my wife said that, you know, I mean, or, or, or are you Sybil? I don't know if, they probably wouldn't, they, youngsters wouldn't catch that, but. Okay, so let me get to this, because I promised you a sanctification. Faith and works, if we're saved by grace, do we ignore the law, Marge? What's the law? How does that play in our lives? What's a Christian who has faith in what Jesus did? How do they live? It is. It, and there are three uses for the law, right? To curb, which means to stop us from doing things that are off the wall. To, you know, kind of like laws of the land, to stop us, you know, from doing things that we shouldn't. You know, here, here's a, you should live like this, and if you don't, things are going to go really bad. Think of the Ten Commandments. You know, if you steal, if you murder, if you, uh, you know, take up with someone else's spouse, envy, I mean, those things are going to lead you down bad paths and they're going to destroy relationships. So God has given that to us to help stop us from destroying ourselves and destroying relationships. Now we still do it, but 
That's why we have it. And the mirror to show us that we need a Savior and guide, to guide our lives. Because we should desire with faith to live by God's commandments, knowing that we're going to fall short and we always have Jesus to go to. Okay, so in verses 19 through 20, Paul is talking about a transformation that a person has when they come to faith in Jesus. A transformation, a desire to live by God's good law, knowing that we will fall short. I just said that. Um, so faith and works. What's the relationship? And I got in here. This gets tough. The spirit lives in believers doing God's will through the converted. Ken. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, Ken. There. Well, Jesus has made all foods clean. You don't have to live by Leviticus anymore because Jesus has. Yep. No, well, a lot. What laws are you talking about? That the six thirteen, the 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 ones that the Pharisees made up. But but there was a dietary law that they that they yeah. So do we so, still follow that law? No. No. It's taken care of. That's been that Jesus, by Jesus' death and resurrection, that has been, those laws have been wiped out. The ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, have all been wiped out. Oh, okay. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, those have been wiped out. That's it. That's it. You got it. Because, think about, we, what we teach the confirmants, we, we teach them the Ten Commandments, what they mean, how valuable they are in their life, what they do and what they don't do. But they're important for them to know. They're important for them to understand that they should desire to live by those. And 
And when you don't, things go bad. No, no, no. Those those have been... Jesus has made everything that was in Leviticus right. That's right. The, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and that's all we need to focus on. Yeah, I... I Yeah, we don't have any dietary. Yeah, that, that's all been done away with because Jesus was the last sacrifice that would ever be needed to make things right with God. So we don't ever have to follow any of those dietary rituals, uh, atonement. Uh, what else? I mean, there were... I know there were ceremonies about getting people clean that were, yeah, sacrifice, you know, for yourself, sacrifice on behalf of all the Israelites, and those don't have to be done anymore. Um, so, was it, I always thought Peter's, Peter's dream about killing and eating was about unclean food, but it was about Gentiles. It's about the Gentiles are my people too. The people of Christ because they believe. It doesn't matter if they're Jewish or not. I came for everyone, not just the Israelites. Um, Well, you think of, I, I know I'm at time here, um, but you think of Paul and the hardcore Pharisee that he was took that, and when he when Jesus appeared, when he was converted, he, he still had all that knowledge, knowing it was worthless. So it served a purpose for him to have been in that position, I think, to be able to say, hey, all these things that we did, all the reasons I pointed at Christians and said they were worthless because they didn't do this or do that was so wrong. But the law does have a place in our lives, and we can't ignore it. But I need to tell you this. There is no, and this is Paul's message to the Galatians, there is no saving power in the law. None. And remember this, justification comes first. Excuse me. So, you're converted first. The Holy Spirit comes in your heart, you become a believer, and then you are made right with God because you believe in what Jesus did, because of the Holy Spirit, right? And then 
the Spirit starts to work through you to do things, which is sanctification. Justification first, and then sanctification. Now, can they happen simultaneously? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I I think they, they I guess they could. Um, because when people come to faith, they tend to want to to live a different way, you know. Now, in the Lutheran Church, it doesn't get, this isn't an insult to us, but it doesn't get as dramatic as, you know, in, as some of maybe the um, non-denominational churches because they are very works-oriented and living a good life. And um, we could learn some from them, but I think they put, um, I got a friend that used to, my best friend, he came from a church that was Pentecostal. And man, all they could talk about was, oh, dude, you got to do this and you got to do that. And, um, <laughs> and he, now that he's Lutheran, he is one of those guys when he believes something. I met him at, on Vicarage, too. He studies and studies. He probably knows more about Lutheranism than I do because he just educates himself about and he just couldn't get over saved by grace through faith and that is what brought him you know like we don't have the power to be good people we don't you know we're born in sin and nothing we do after that makes that makes any difference i mean that didn't come out right it does because spirits working through us but we're born in sin, so we're already corrupted. We need Jesus but when we're conceived. So, all right. But remember, we live in daily repentance and the grace of God that Jesus made possible. Jesus did all the work. We contribute nothing to our salvation and nothing to eternity with our, our Lord. But we love him. Do you mean religions are low or different Christian denominations? You mean follow the, the person? It's amazing to me how, um, sorry, I babbled too much, but how many Christian denominations interpret the Bible so differently. It, it just, uh, my, my wife's got a cousin who just insists that an infant should not, could not, cannot be baptized. I mean, she gets nasty about it, not to me. But to Julie, and Julie is argumentative about stuff like that. So.